0: Welcome to the Numa Church podcast. For more information on all things Numa, please contact us on our website numa.church. Now get ready for another inspirational message.
1: Well, who here is like me and is a millennial? That means you're between 24 and 39, raise your hands. Yes, yes, some of them. Yes, yes, confession time. <laughs> who of us here is a Gen Z? That means you're between the ages of 10 and 23. Hands up, hands up. Yes. I had a Gen Z say to me the other day, Numa, and it took me like three shots of like Numa to get that these three lines were the three lines of our logo. I love that. I was like, yeah, I'm a millennial. I'm not even getting that Gen Z. Numa, love it. Well, that's great because today's message I feel is particularly for these two generations and it's called Pitfalls of Us Millennials, Your Place at the Table and Other Tales from the Kingdom. Millennials and Gen Zs are often painted by the mass media as self-entitled avo-eating Instagram narcissists. And as much as I love avo, don't get me wrong, something started to stir in my spirit and I started to get a bit righteously angry about it. And because I couldn't believe, I couldn't, it's so far from the truth of what God has called our generation to be. I was angry because if enough of that stuff is put out there in our culture, it seeps into our minds. And then from our minds, it seeps down into our spirits. And from our spirit, it actually seeps into our identity. And we actually start to think, and it changes what we believe in our core about who God has created us to be. And that may be the representation our culture makes of our generation, sometimes, but that is definitely not the kingdom culture of this generation. And it is not who God has called us to be. And who has called us to be is painted so beautifully in his word. In the Bible, God uses our generation to do some of the highest works of the kingdom. He uses, it to, uses us to do some of the most amazing things. He used our generation, Millennials and Gen Zs, to influence the highest levels of leadership, pharaohs and kings, before making them themselves the highest level of leadership. And I'm thinking of people like Joseph and of David and Daniel. He used a generation who prays and who has courage to step out. Hello, Amy Batocchio. To change the course of history for an entire people group. I'm thinking of Esther. He used them to stand up against... Culture and shift and change it wherever they were, like Daniel Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So turn to me, turn with me for a second to Genesis thirty-seven. We're going to read from verse one. Jacob lived in the land of his fathers, sojournings in the land of Canaan. Sojournings—that's a great word; it just means his land. There are the gener- uh, they, these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, I don't think that was a mistake that it was put in the Bible, Joseph, being 17 years old, was pastoring flock with his brothers. Skip down now with me to verse 5. Now, Joseph had a dream. Joseph had a dream. And when he told this dream to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for this, for his dream and for his words. And then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me but when he told it to his father and to his brothers his father rebuked him and said what is this dream that you have dreamed shall i and your mother and your brothers indeed come and bow down ourselves to the ground before you see joseph was 17 years old when god gave him a dream about who he had called him to be and the level of leadership at which he called him to serve 17 if at 17 years old, Joseph can have receive a dream from God, and if God can show him who he's called to be and show him the level of leadership he's calling him to, and then by 13 years old, have him interpret the dreams of Pharaoh, the most powerful ruler of the time, influencing the highest level of leadership in the world, why at the age of 30 can he not put one of us in the House of Parliament of this country or of the United Nations of The Hague and through the mighty power of God use you to influence leadership and direction of this country and of other countries. Our God is the same yesterday, today and tomorrow and we see this revelation, we need to get such a revelation in our spirits about who God is calling this generation to be in Numa Church. Dr. Michael made and prophesied it when he came here in, June, in July and said that nations and countries will be changed and cultures will be changed from this auditorium. And I don't think he was talking about the 50, 60, and 70-year-olds in our church. I think he was talking about this generation, this one. See, in the Bible, we see Mary was around 13 when God chose her to bring the Messiah into the world. Not a 50-year-old, not a 60-year-old, a 13-year-old girl. Esther was approximately 14 years old when she was made queen of Persia, which during her lifetime was the greatest empire known to man. Can you put your hand up if you're 13 or 14? Do we have any 13 or 14-year-olds here? No, not today? Okay, that's fine. That would be something like God making, the queen, making, making them queen of the US, India and China all put together. That was Esther. David was 17 when he was called, 28 when he defeated Goliath, and in 2 Samuel 5:4 it records that David was 30 years old when he became king of Israel. Saul is estimated that it was he was approximately 30 years old when he came to the throne. Solomon, was, Solomon again, was approximately 30 years, when he began, 30 years old when he began to reign. That's without even taking into consideration people like Jeremiah, Timothy. The Bible goes on and on and on about our generation. Are you starting to get a little bit of a picture of who God is calling our generation to be? I believe that God wants to rise up this generation to lead just like he has in the past. I firmly believe in that prophecy from Michael Maiden, that we are intended from this church, from this house, from this auditorium, to change cultures and nations around the world. And as I prepared this message, the Holy Spirit showed me that He has already spoken to so many of you here about that. And He has called you to be just like a Joseph, and just like a Joseph, He has given you a dream. A dream about who He has created you to be and the place that He has created for you at a table of leadership. A table of political influence. I love that we prayed into that before. A table from which you will affect cultural change in the world of art, media, business and from boardrooms. These dreams come in different ways to all of us. Some of them, some of you might have received these dreams when you were like five or six years old and just like Joseph, you were dreaming at night and God showed you something in your dream. Others of you, maybe that dream was sparked in your spirit through something you saw when you were 10 years old or maybe through a conversation with, your, with an auntie and that conversation did something and it changed inside you and something sparked in your spirit and a dream was born. For others, maybe God used a prophetic word. Maybe someone spoke a prophetic word over your life and that sparked a dream in your heart or maybe it was like Pastor Corey, that dream was given to your parents and passed down onto you Dreams come in all different ways. But no matter how that dream comes to you, I saw that all those dreams resonated in your hearts once upon a time. But then the Holy Spirit showed me something else through a a different vision of a little boy who was about 12 years old. And I saw that God had given him a dream to be Prime Minister of this country. Who knows that Scott Morrison is the first spirit-filled Prime Minister of our country, but he is definitely, definitely not going to be the last. And in fact, this dream hadn't died in this little boy's heart. In fact, God had created in him such a massive heart, a heart big enough to carry the burden of a nation of people. But as he got older and he went to school and his grades were not really maybe what he needed to get him into the uni he had in mind, and he shared this dream with his friends and got mocked. Just like Joseph got mocked by his own family. Let's not be scared about what people say about our dreams. And just as that mocking happened and he saw that his grades weren't lining up exactly with what he thought that would look like, the dream hadn't died, but he kind of like put it down on the ground next to him. He put down the God dream on the ground. Maybe some of us have done the same. Maybe that dream you once held close in your heart and in your spirit that God spoke to you about, that he sparked in you, you just put it down on the ground because your reality didn't kind of line up with what you thought that could or couldn't look like. And I believe that it's God's invitation today. It is the Father's invitation for you today to pick up that dream again that God dream that he birthed inside of you. I think there's a lot of us that can probably, if we're really, really honest, relate to that. Had something, you were harbouring it, and it was a thing, and then life went on, and it kind of got put down. I have one. I have a God dream that started the year, God has really been challenging me to pick it up again. And it is not easy, and it's sometimes really painful. Why do we do that? Why, when we know it is a dream from God who... Through all things are possible, Matthew 19, 26. Why do we put that thing down? Perhaps she had a God dream to change the way the foster care system worked. Or perhaps she had a dream to change the way that we look after single parents. Or maybe the way that government policy works around the environment. And you're just out of uni, and you're like three or four years into the workforce, and you're working in DHS, or you're working in the, the Department of Environment, and you've got kind of like your dream job, but then it's not what you thought it would look like. Just like when Joseph was in prison. he's <laughs> thinking, there's no she's bowing down around me right now. <laughs> what was that dream, God? This is not, this doesn't look like this is going to happen. And you're working your job and you do your best. But that God dream inside you, you think, now I know how the world works. That's, that's a bit impossible. And we put it down. That's a, that's a crazy thing about God dreams. They are actually impossible. <laughs> because yeah. if they were possible, then we wouldn't need God. Yeah. So it's the God in our dream that makes things possible. Yeah. I believe this is the year... That God is reviving lost dreams. Just like Joseph's dream when he was in prison may have seemed dead to him, it is not. It seemed impossible for a prisoner to go from the prison in the castle to the throne room, to Pharaoh's throne room, but with God it wasn't. Just think about that, that's like a prisoner in Bowen prison out in Geelong, all of a sudden prison gets a call, from Canberra, saying, oh, we need prisoner X, Y, Z, Scott Morrison would like to speak to them. That's crazy. They get shipped out from one day to the next. They end up in Canberra. They're sitting in uh, Prime Minister's office and they're giving him advice. This is the kind of God we have, a God that works in the impossible because that is where we can glorify him. So why do we do it? We know, we know, we know we have that God dream we know that Matthew 19:26 says through all things all things through Christ are possible. And I think there's probably many reasons, but I think we have one pitfall of our generation that leads us to put those dreams down. Our generation is in such a unique position than any other generation in the past that we are saturated in our worldly culture in a way that I don't think any other generation has been in the past. We constantly find that we have influences coming, not only through our television and through what our friends are saying and what our family's saying. You know the average iPhone user touches their phone 2,617 times a day? The average one. I hate to admit, I'm probably above average. (laughs) We just get drenched in the culture of today. You know, if you think of like 1950s, you'd come home and the culture of your home would be what your parents had created, what your family was speaking into your life. Now you can be sitting at the table and you can get 50 texts or likes or comments on your social media posts that can be anything other than kingdom. It's a little bit like I was on holidays recently and uh, swimming in the ocean. I wasn't swimming between the flags. And there was a very strong undercurrent. I'm okay, people. Jesus is good. And I swam out a little bit, and, uh, and I was just enjoying the ocean and thanking God for creation and just the goodness of God when you're floating in the ocean, the sun is shining on your face. And, uh, and then I like, looked up and I looked back and I thought, where did my tail go? <laughs> and I looked down the beach and about 200 meters down the beach is my tail. I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't feel like I went anywhere. And it's that undercurrent of culture in the same way that if we're not careful about where we position ourselves, all of a sudden we find ourselves 200 meters down the beach and we look up and we're like, oh, this isn't where I thought I was going to be. And we put our dreams down because we see something that isn't what we thought it was going to look like. We get dragged by culture to a place that we didn't want to be in. And in the same way, if we're not careful, our God dreams will get dragged from us and we will get dragged down the beach. And we start to tell God what is and isn't possible about our God dream based on what we have seen as possible or not possible in our culture. And sometimes we're so submersed in that culture, we don't even realise that we are looking at it through a filter. I lived in China for about three and a half years, and I found out that I was looking at a lot of things through my cultural filter that I didn't even realize I had. One of those was, I used to fly from Shanghai to a place called Harbin in the northeast of China every Monday and fly back every Friday. I was working on a project there, and I was the only non-Chinese person on the flight every time, and I loved it. It was so fun. And one day, I realized that I was wearing big cultural filter glasses that I didn't even realize I had on, because um, in the waiting room, there was a, um, a grandma, and she was taking some eggs back from her country town to the city where she was obviously visiting family. And, um, and I remember her sitting in the waiting room, and this was like an industrial-sized carton of eggs. This was like 20 eggs by 20 eggs, stacked up and three high. And I'm surprised, like, she was all about four foot one. And how she's even carrying these is like a miracle in itself. (laughs) Anyway, she's on the plane. So I'm waiting in the wing. She's clearly waiting to get on the same flight. And I just thought, oh, that's so sad. All those eggs, they must have been so expensive. She's going to have to leave them here when she gets on the plane. Anyway, get into my work, finishing off some stuff on my computer, get on the flight, sit down, first one to board. And then as I'm waiting here for everyone else to come on board, I see the same grandma come start to come on board with her eggs and like she's carrying them like this and then she's doing a bit of a this as she tries to get them like through the aisle and I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, where are the air hostesses of Air China when you need them? come and help this poor lady and like remove these eggs so she can actually come on on board. I'm thinking, oh, this is so sad. I'm like, what is she gonna do with all these eggs? They would have been really, really expensive. And so as she's doing this kind of shift down the aisle like this, I see an air hostess come and I'm like, okay, great, they're gonna sort out the problem, no worries. So they exchanged something in Mandarin. My Mandarin's not good enough for me to actually understand what they were saying. Anyway, all of a sudden, she keeps coming down until she's like sort of right in front of me here. And there's an exchange. And then all of a sudden, the air hostess picks up these eggs and loads them into the container, the baggage container, right over my head. And I thought, what? How is this possible? And I thought, apart from the fact that if there's any turbulence, I'm going to end up with an omelet on my head, I realized, I'm looking at this whole situation, feeling sorry for this lady, through my Melbourneian culture filter, and not through the filter of the culture that I'm living in right now. I think sometimes we do exactly the same. We are are citizens of heaven, and we are living in a culture of heaven, and we look at what our circumstance is through the filter of culture of, of today, of our world. What God dream are you looking at through your worldly culture? And because of that, you've said no to God and put it down. It's time for us to pick up our God dreams, guys. What do I actually mean by that? What do I actually mean when I say pick up our God dream? I mean to hold it with faith again in our hearts and to commit it to God. Proverbs sixteen three says... Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he shall establish your plans. You don't need to worry if you don't know what to do with that that dream. If it's a God dream, it's gonna be big and it's gonna look impossible. But commit it to him and he will establish your plans. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. You. 1 Thessalonians 1:4. Number two, pray over that dream, declare it daily. 1 John 5:15 says and if we know that he hears us whatever we ask we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him and at the end of the service we're going to have an opportunity to do exactly that number 3 ask God to bring the people around you who will stand in faith with you, encourage you and lift up this dream with you. Because God never calls any of us to do any of the work of the kingdom alone. If you're in isolation and you're alone, you need to be reaching out. That's a tool of the enemy. Galatians 6:2 said says bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, not the suggestion of God, the law of Christ. And if we if you're here tonight and you didn't fit into my millennial uh, or Gen Z generation, this is really, guys, where we need you in this house. There is a beautiful and powerful thing that happens when generations stand together for God' dreams. A beautiful example of this is the relationship between Mary and her cousin Elizabeth in the Book of Luke. I've just been so loving the Book of Luke. If you haven't been in that recently, get back in there. There is so many good things. <laughs> While Mary was pregnant uh, with Jesus, she spends three months with her cousin Elizabeth who was pregnant at the same time, pregnant with John the Baptist. She was. They were both pregnant with the dream of God. Also, it was a miracle. She was barren and very old, and they waited together for their miracles to come to pass, for their God dreams to come to pass, generations apart, with the same dreams coming to pass. Luke 1.41 speaks about it, and when Mary arrives at Elizabeth's house, it says, When Elizabeth heard... "'The greeting of Mary, the baby leaped inside her womb, "'and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, "'and she exclaimed with a loud cry, "'Blessed are you among men, "'and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Whose "'Whose spirit leaps when you share with them your God dream?' You have those friends sometimes, right? Do you have those friends? I've got those friends that like even believe for the God things in my life more than I actually believe for them sometimes. Have you got those friends? And they're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. You're like, whoa, okay, yeah, I thought it was like, but okay, don't get like too, too, whoa, okay. Now I really have to do something about that. Who are those people? Do you have those people? Do you have that person? If not, later we are going to pray and stand with you to bring that person into your life or for God to reveal who that is already in your life. And number four, ask God for the next step, and then the next step, and then the next step. Philippians 1, 6 says, Being confident of this, that who who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. He will carry it to completion, step by step. We have actually a great example of someone in this congregation who had a God dream that was big and followed those steps to see the impossible come to pass. I don't know if some of you May remember Katie Bezemir. She had a God dream a long time ago, a few years ago, that she was going to go and study at Bethel Church and a series of things that God was going to do through her and in her during that time. And she stood with that dream, she prayed with it, she found people that were going to encourage her in it, that were going to uplift her in it. She when she first had that dream, and I've asked her if I can share her story tonight. She didn't have enough money to even get herself halfway to Redding, California, Bethel Church is in California in the US, for those you who don't know, let alone to pay for the tuition, pay for the accommodation, pay for the visa, pay for the books. And yet she prayed, she stepped up, she declared it, she made a budget, she did the step after step that God told her to do, and she's now been there for over six months something that looked so impossible in the natural when God gave her that dream, through Christ Jesus, was made possible. God is inviting us tonight, guys, to pick up our God dream from the ground and look at it not through the eyes of this culture and of this world, but through the story of Joseph, through the story of Esther, and to receive the revelation and perspective of the space that God is making for that dream at such a time as this. And I'm passionate about people picking up their God dreams in general. But God pressed such an urgency on my heart for this generation to pick up their dreams. And when I was asking the Holy Spirit what that was about, he spoke to me from Habakkuk. Uh, 156 says, Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded, for I'm doing a work in your days that you would not believe if I told. For behold, I'm raising the Chaldeans, the Babylonians that bitter and hasty nation who marched through the breadth of this earth and seized dwellings not their own. In this passage, Habakkuk is calling out to God and saying, God, why are you not doing anything? Why are you not moving? Why are you you not saving Judah? And he said, I am. I'm using the non-Christians to do my will. See, Habakkuk was waiting for someone that looked like God to come and move. Our generation... Is living in a moment in time where God is using non Christian leaders to shift culture and create a space for youth and young adults at tables of influence like they have never had before. I believe this is not just something that is happening in our culture, but just like God used the Chaldeans, He is using non Christian leaders as well as Christian leaders to outwork His plan. In the last 15 years, we have seen teens sit at the table of the UN and speak to houses of parliaments. In my parents' generation, that was not possible. Kids would be seen and not heard. And if you went to work, you worked for 25 years before and paid your dues before you became any level of influence in a company. We are living in a time that God dreams, that the ones that he has placed in our heart, into this. Millenn- Gen Z and millennial generation are going to collide with the spaces that he opens at tables of influence that God is creating. We are the Esther and Joseph generation. And that is why it is so important for us to pick up our dream. Yeah, right. He's creating space for it right now. Let me give you some examples. Greta Thunberg, 15-year-old girl from Sweden. She spoke to the UN climate change summit last year, in Dece- and in December, in 2019, she was uh, nominated 2019's Time magazine person of the year, a 15-year-old. Mulala, she was 11 years old when she published her first book. She published a book at 11. Uh, at, thir- at 16 years old, in 2013, she spoke to seasoned politicians and economic leaders in the UN. It was the first time a youth had ever addressed the UN. And in 2014, she became the youngest person to win a Nobel Peace Prize. Can you see God's hand? Jack and Dracca, 15 years old high school student, invented what they believed to be a new cheap way to detect pancreatic cancer. He won a prize at the Intel International Science and Engineering Fair in 2012. That's not for kids, that's an adult, Intel International Science and Engineering Fair. We live in a generation where a 15-year-old can speak to the UN, where a 14-year-old can win the Nobel Peace Prize. Now hear what I'm saying now. If people like Mulala, Greta, and Jack can rise up and take a place at a table of influence, how much more our generation, filled with the wisdom, the power, of the Holy Spirit of God can we not? God is making a way for us. Can you see the space and the scale of that table of leadership? It is to change to affect change for this generation at the highest levels of politics, business, science and the arts. This is not a coincidence. This is divine timing. Just like it was for Esther to walk into the throne room of the king and change the course of history for her people. It is time for us to pick up our God dreams. Those impossible ones. Because if we don't. If we don't. And there is an if. Because we have total free will in God. That space at the table... That the Father is created for his sons and daughters to rise will be filled by the Greta's, the Molalas, and the Jacks of our generation and not by our spirit-filled brothers and sisters and we will not see the fullness of his kingdom come. This is not a motivational speech, guys. I'm not a motivational speaker and I'm not your careers counsellor. And this is not actually for us to all get psyched up and yes and amen to, although that is very good. This is a message from God that I believe he wants to use to reach deep down into our spirits and touch the core of who he has created us to be. The dream he planted deep inside of you when he knitted you in your mother's womb. And it's to stir up a fire of faith for us to pick up that dream so that we can take our place at the table so that his will can be done on earth exactly as it is in heaven.